Welcome to the Vialdone podcast for Monday, March 2nd. Stocks are attempting to stabilize and rally, although they've come off of their morning highs. So the S&P futures are up about 15 to 16 points to uh, about 29.66. They had been up at 30.20 at one point, so they've um, come well off the highs. Europe had been up over 2%, although it's since come back to around flat, flat to up small. Most of the major Asian indices finished higher, although there were a few pockets of red. Um, you know, so there's a lot of news, a ton of news, a ton of headlines around coronavirus and a lot of speculation, anticipation, and statements from various central banks. I have everything documented um, in the Vital Dawn today. It, you know, I have a very, very hard time, um, you know, correlating every tick in this market to a specific piece of fundamental news. I think that tape has been obviously operating. Um, in an environment of, of panic and emotion, and it's not so much reacting to um, actual fundamental developments at this point. So, you know, the narrative for today is that, you know, and I think on Friday, you kind of saw this in the U.S. also, while the U.S. indices ended in the red on Friday, there was some, uh, there were some signs of improvement beneath the surface. You saw a rebounding, you saw a rebound in a lot of those stocks and sectors that had been most bombed out, and you saw selling in some of the safer haven names that had outperformed. So I think some of that is just carrying over to Monday. You have a lot of central bank speculation anticipation. Obviously, the Fed had that statement out Friday afternoon at 2.30, um, you know, promising markets that it would act appropriately. You had a similar statement out of the BOJ. You had a similar statement out of the BOE today. You had Indonesia cut bank reserve requirement ratios. And then you have this blog post from a former Fed official who worked back in the 2008 financial crisis. He is speculating on a coordinated central bank activity um, action rather this Wednesday. You know, I, I again, I don't, I don't quite know where he's getting that from. He's using the 2008 um, playbook, and then just, and then I think, um, you know, just just looking at how that could unfold in the current environment. Um, you know, I don't think there's anything central banks can do in this particular crisis, just given the nature of it, given how monetary policy is already extraordinarily accommodative. Um, you know, if anything, you're seeing yields collapse further around the world, including in the U.S. You have two-year Treasury yields down about 16 percent. I'm sorry, 16 basis points in anticipation of all of this central bank easing. Um, and I think that's in a way exacerbating some of the panic, um, it, just as far as kind of market signaling is concerned. Two-year yields being down as much as they are is not necessarily um, a very encouraging sign to come into in the morning. So, you know that is that is the main um, you know quote unquote reason being cited is just central bank um, hope. But like I said, you know I think it, it's very difficult to. Um, you know, to try to correlate every tick in this market to a fundamental development. I think prices were just grossly oversold in the last week. Um, you know, a bounce was inevitable. I think that, you know, as I've been saying, you know, it's reasonable to assume that a 170-ish type of EPS number for this year um, is, is quote-unquote stress. That assumes a lot uh, of a huge hit in Q1, um, and, but it includes, but it assumes the worst of the coronavirus headwinds dissipating by calendar Q2, not all of them, but the bulk of it. Um, you know, so just as far as the coronavirus is concerned, you know, the, the narrative is, is largely the same as it's been. You're continuing to see improvement in China, the epicenter of the crisis, including even in, in, in Hubei and then in, in Wuhan itself. Um, but you're seeing a large increase in case counts outside of China. So, you know, the main areas of concern remain Italy, Iran and South Korea. Um, Italy reported a huge jump in cases yesterday. Iran, as we're speaking, is reporting another big jump in cases. The numbers are very small compared to China, 
Um, you know, but the percent increases are large. And I think that that certainly is alarming some people. You've had, you know, you had additional cases reported in the U.S., including, um, you know, Washington State seems to be the big area of concern in the U.S., but you had cases in Florida, Rhode Island, and New York reported. You had the first coronavirus fatalities in the U.S. Um, you know, again, the numbers are tiny, but, you know, you, you know, I think the spread is certainly something that is going to continue. You're going to see a higher case count, um, especially in the U.S. You're going to see more fatalities, et cetera. But I think the fact that China, which had been the cause of all of this, is, is, is healing and you're seeing improvements um, in economic activity, or rather you're seeing signs of economic activity normalizing, I think all of that is, is encouraging. Um, on the data front, we got the first look at the February uh, manufacturing PMI, so throughout Asia and then in Europe as well. The China numbers were just dreadful. So the MBS PMIs, which is the formal government PMI numbers, hit over the weekend. They were they were horrible. The Cation PMI that was out this morning also um, pointed to a huge downshift in economic momentum in February. Um, you know, again, I think most people assume you're going to see a huge headwind on the growth front um, in February, March. But it, you know, but but with those headwinds starting to dissipate, um, looking out into calendar Q2. The other Asian PMIs also fell versus January, although um, I wouldn't say that the decline was calamitous. Um, you know, definitely could have been worse in, in Vietnam and in, in, in Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, et cetera. Um, you know, the PMI certainly declined versus January, but not anywhere near to the extent that uh, the China figures fell. Um, on the political front, so obviously it was a very eventful week in U.S. politics. So Biden did much better than expected in uh, South Carolina. And then you had two people drop out of the race. Um, the most uh, notable one was was Buttigieg, who dropped out yesterday. So, you know, as we head now into Super Tuesday states tomorrow, um, you know, I, just based on all the polling indications that we have seen, although obviously that is subject now to change given uh, Buttigieg's absence, um, you know, Bernie still has a delegate lead and he's likely still, I think, to kind of recapture some of the political momentum on Super Tuesday, just given the nature of how the Democratic primary works, the logistics of it, um, this 15 percent threshold, whereby if you're below that, you don't receive any delegates. Um, and then just the polling indications in the major states, including in California, where Bernie is, is, is performing very well. And then, you know, while while Buttigieg's absence could, in theory, help consolidate some of the quote unquote moderate vote behind Biden, you know, you're going to have Bloomberg on the ballot for the first time tomorrow. And that and that could kind of offset more than offset the Buttigieg's absence as far as splitting the moderate vote. Um, you know, in terms of the market perception on U.S. politics, again, I think the market would rather have any other de- rather have any Democrat other than Sanders. So any indication that Sanders momentum is being blunted is a knee jerk positive, but they would much, much, much rather have a second Trump term than any of the Democrats. So you know, to the extent you see a, a Biden or a Bloomberg really pick up a lot of momentum and become the presumptive nominee, um, you know, that person, I think, will be perceived as being a, a more formidable candidate for Trump in November, in which case I think the markets would actually become more concerned. So I don't I don't necessarily know if it's a positive that, um, you know, Sanders performed poorly in South Carolina and that the moderate Joe Biden has some momentum at the moment. Um that is the bulk of everything. There's, there's, like I said, a lot more news, information, detail specifics. I have it all laid out. Um, I'm not going to have a lot of time to go through everything on this podcast. For today's calendar specifically, 
you know, we're through the bulk of, um, of earnings. So I think the big focus this week is going to be on a lot of these conference appearances. So you have a lot of sell-side conferences and you have a few analyst meetings. So you're going to hear a lot from companies um, specifically or, or, core, or more just qualitatively giving uh, color on calendar Q2. I'm sorry, calendar Q1. How business trends are unfolding versus guidance. Um, I think that would be the main area of focus. You do, you are going to get a lot of economic data. So we get the U.S. manufacturing ISM today at 10 a.m. I think the non-manufacturing ISM this Wednesday at 10 a.m. is probably more important, just given how poor the um, the flash services PMI was in the U.S. a couple of weeks ago, and then on this Friday you have the the jobs report. So that is everything for today. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening.